Well, thank you so much for joining us today at Crossbridge. My name's Phil. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a privilege to be able with you today. If uh, you're worshiping with us uh, online, thanks for joining us in that way. And welcome at our Peru campuses and at our Morris campus as well. I'm so excited to share with you today, to share with you a story, my story, an unscripted journey. And, and just so you know, today it might be a little heavier uh, than normal, but I think for many of us, we can resonate with that because we tend to have some heavy stories here too. Before we jump in this morning, I want us real quick just to take 60 seconds, wherever you might be, and turn to somebody near you and tell them very briefly your story of coming to Crossbridge. If no one's around, you get up and move and try and find somebody. If you're online, hop in the chat box. But let's just take a a few quick seconds and share your story of coming to Crossbridge. Ready? Go. Hopefully you were able to connect with somebody around you and not only tell your story, but also hear the story uh, of somebody else who has come and been a part of Crossbridge. When you look at the Bible, you see a story, one story that encapsulates many stories. We see this story about God redeeming his creation. In the midst of this grand story is smaller stories, individual stories of life a family, of God's move in people's hearts. And what we see is, Pastor Kevin shared a few weeks ago, this battle of who will receive our worship. There is this tension within us of if we are going to to worship ourselves or if we are going to worship God. It's important for us to define worship in this sense because worship can mean so many different things in our culture and so many different things in our modern church. First and foremost, it might come as a surprise to hear it from me, but first and foremost, worship is not music. It's not music. Worship is not a gathering like we're experiencing right now. Worship is not confined to a communal meeting. But worship happens through music, thankfully. It happens through the arts. And it can happen when we gather, and it can happen when we are alone. It can happen as a group. Because worship is simply living our lives in obedient response to the grace of God. You see, we are created to worship. And when our worship is misaligned, we begin to succumb to serving ourselves and serving to please those around us. We see this battle in the pages of Scripture. When we read one of the writers, Paul, who is an apostle, when he penned these words in Romans chapter 7, he says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. 
I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I grew up in Iowa, just, just a few hours from here in the Cedar Rapids in Iowa City area. When you grow up, it's, it's really all that you know. And when you, uh, you head off from, from home at some point and you encounter other things in your life, you tend to then reflect on how you grew up and you experience other things and realize that, that there are differences. Growing up, I never felt good enough. I was craving approval. I was craving affirmation and unconditional love. At first, this, this need for approval really helped fuel me to be able to succeed at the things that I put my mind to, including pulling a few pranks. I used to love to pull pranks. I'd sneak out of the house at night and meet up with my friends, and we'd go round and round, and it always seemed to involve some kind of element of toilet paper. I remember one night, we all jumped in my little fire engine red pickup truck, a GMC S15, and we were tooling around town, and we went to uh, the other Nazarene church's pastor's house in town. For some reason, we felt a need to have some kind of competition between the churches. So on this particular night, we went over, and, and we were doing an exceptional job on the trees. I mean, it was stellar. And so here we are, we're, we're, we're throwing these rolls of toilet paper and we're, we're just making it up really good. And then all of a sudden we hear a sound that nobody ever, ever wants to hear. A sound of the neighbor's dog. And sure enough, it, it was just shortly after we hear this dog barking that we hear what is really the worst sound that you could hear. The police helicopter. So here, this police helicopter comes and comes over the house that we're so eloquently TPing, and all of a sudden the big spotlight turns on and starts seeing what's going on. And sure enough, we scatter like cockroaches, fleeing from this light of the police helicopter. I'm not really sure why, but everyone decided to scatter and jump in the back of my pickup truck. So here I am, I don't know, 16 maybe 17 years old. Now, I have all these friends in the back of my pickup truck, and what else else am I supposed to do besides jump in and start driving? So I jump in, and I start weaving around all these winding streets, speeding as fast as I can, trying to get away from the police helicopter. And, you know, in retrospect, there's, that's silly. Why why in the world would I do that? But we finally found a haven in a little underhang area next to a grocery store, and, 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 I'm sure the police helicopter knew we were there, but decided to just let us be. He knew that they had scared us good enough. In fact, I TP'd so many houses in my time that when I graduated high school, they gave me a little trophy that says, to the TP king. But all those fun times and the good times of pulling pranks and other stuff, those were the fun memories. But my need for acceptance was about to go to the next level. See, in my early teen years, my fragmented home life completely unraveled when it was revealed that my dad had been living a double life for some time. My parents soon divorced, and not only did I feel inadequate, but now I felt like every fiber of security that I had suddenly vanished. The church community felt distant. My extended families felt separated, and my friends felt detached. I threw myself into finding the love and affirmation and acceptance I craved through my participation in extracurricular activities like band and choir and show choir and drum line and basketball and track. 
But I also found solace in relationships with girls. I began a relationship with someone who I really cared about, but it was a toxic relationship that, that really sent me down into a deeper spiral. And it really made me and fueled this sense of inadequacy that led me really into a deep depression. In the midst of partying and staying out all night, drinking and going to the university clubs nearby, I was suicidal, coming close to making attempts on several occasions. I remember one night, my girlfriend lived on a, on a windy country road near a, near a lake. And I remember we would have these massive arguments we had this huge blow up one night and I was so upset and I got in my truck and I just sped off from her house on, on these windy roads. And I remember I was coming up right in front of me. There was an S curve. And I just remember I was crying. Tears were pouring down my face. I'm gripping the wheel and I just, I just determined that I was going to hold the wheel straight and go careening off. And as I see this S-curve approaching, I'm just gripping the wheel and I'm bound and determined I'm going to do it. The very last second, I turn the wheel to the left and my wheels screech and I turn and I avoid careening off. It wasn't the only time that I had those serious thoughts of just ending it all and trying to gain some peace from this inner turmoil that was just ripping me apart. I was so empty inside, no matter what I tried to do, no matter the girls, no matter the parties, no matter the alcohol, nothing could fill the void that I was feeling. In the midst of my running, I was, I was angry. I was so mad. I was bitter towards God. I was bitter towards the church. I was bitter towards my parents and anyone else who got in my way. I blamed God and wondered how in the world could he let something like this happen to me? How could he let this happen to my family? It's supposed to happen to somebody else's family. My parents were so concerned about me during this time that they even got together and they drove out to my girlfriend's house at two in the morning and, and knocked on the door. My girlfriend's dad came and got me and said, hey, your parents are at the door. I think you should go talk to them. So I went up and I opened the door, and there my parents were, and they begged me to come home. I slammed the door in their face and went back to bed. They haven't let me live that down, by the way. In my faithlessness, though, there was a God who remained faithful to me. I realized that he was trying to get my attention, first in small ways, but then in more significant ways. I probably spent about 50% of my senior year not sleeping at home in my own bed. And one of these nights, I was at my girlfriend's house, and I remember that, that as I was sleeping, it was very clear to me, after the fact that the Lord was speaking to me in a dream, and, and as I was there, I dreamt that I had died and that I was falling, and I knew where I was falling. I was falling into eternal lostness. And as I was falling, I knew that I was gone. As I began to wake up from that dream, my eyes slowly opened. And as they opened, I couldn't feel anything. I was convinced that I was paralyzed, that I was, in fact, dead. I slowly began to gain feeling 
and movement in my extremities and realize that, that it was a dream, but it was God that was trying to speak to me through that to get my attention. That if I did not begin to make some changes, if I did not accept his love and his grace that he was trying to pour into my life, that I would be lost. I'd signed up to go to Nazarene Youth Conference that year. It was in Toronto, and, and it was with the, with the youth group, and I was super excited to go, and I went. And as I went, I was still contemplating all these things I felt like the Lord was trying to talk to me about. It was a lot of fun, it was a good time, but even more than that, when I came home, I knew that, that God was really continuing to speak to me in more clear ways. He wanted me to end the relationship with my girlfriend at the time. He wanted me to start making some better decisions with people that I was surrounding myself with. He wanted me to find my fulfillment in him. But I still struggled. I still refused. I still ran. One afternoon, my mom had been uh, hassling me to clean my room, as all good parents do trying to teach me how to be responsible and and pick up after myself. My room was a total disaster, I'm sure. So so I finally uh, said I'd do it. And so one afternoon, I'm in my room, and I'm trying to pick up all the mess in there. And when I went to NYC, I I came home, and I I got a CD that had worship music on it. And I popped that CD in as I was cleaning my room. And the song came on, I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted. You were condemned. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? And as those words played out over my little CD player, it was like the Holy Spirit just flooded my room. And I was so overcome with His presence, I cried out to God, I began, tears began flowing down my face and I fell on the floor and I began praying and crying out to God to forgive me, to heal me, to fulfill me. After that day, It was by the power of Christ at work within me because I had said yes to him and finally let go that he began to work through me and help me make the decisions and the steps that he needed me to take. One of those critical decisions was attending Mid-American Nazarene University. Now this was well into the spring of my senior year of high school. I was accepted to the University of Iowa. I had a roommate already. I was set, ready to go. But there was a group of men who confronted me and said, what are you doing with your life? Where are you going? What is the path that you're headed down? And it was through them that it, it served to help me wake up even further to the decisions I needed to make. And they are the ones who helped me go through the processes of getting accepted to MNU so late, getting in there, the scholarships, all that, because they believed in me. They knew, they saw what needed to happen in my life, and they encouraged me in that. And God provided. A few years have passed since college. I met my wonderful wife, Angela, now of almost 11 years. We have two wonderful kids, Maisie and Hendrick. 
I've been in ministry for a while and I've seen God do some amazing things, but I still struggle. I still have questions. A couple years after Angela and I got married, we decided that we wanted to have kids. Little did we know that that decision would set us on a long journey of infertility. I imagine that most people do not really think about enduring that type of struggle. It was just something that we never really thought about. But then God, in the midst of this struggle of infertility, opened up the doors for Maisie through the gift of adoption. She is an amazing blessing, and I can't imagine our lives without her. After exhausting then all of our infertility options, Angela miraculously got pregnant on her own with Hendrick. And if you want to hear more about that story, you can go to our Facebook pages and check out uh, the video that we kind of put together talking about our journey and uh, her getting pregnant with Hendrick. After Hendrick was born, we heard doctors talk about how oftentimes if you're able to get pregnant and, and carry a pregnancy to term, that helps heal the body and then also aids the body in being able to get pregnant again. And so we are encouraged, and, and we thought, well, yeah, that'd be awesome. We'd love to have a couple more kids. But then just two years ago, Angela and I went through three miscarriages in the span of 12 months. In one appointment, I was, I was scared to go for fear that there wouldn't be a heartbeat. And I remember as we, as we went in to the ultrasound, I stared at the screen intently, and held Angela's hand tight. And as the technician began the ultrasound and I stared at the screen, there was no tiny flicker. There was no rapid heart beating sound. And in my mind, I just cried out, where are you? Where did you go? Many times, I think for us, we find ourselves asking that same question of God. Where did you go? Where are you? Did you fall asleep at the job? Are you still there? Really? Is this happening again? I don't have answers as to why these things happen in our lives or why things have happened to me like they have in my life. But what I do know is that I have seen a God leading me over time through the darkest of times and through the best of times. The difference was always if I was willing to grab a hold of his hand and follow him through the journey or if I was going to try and do it on my own. I saw a quote recently that said something like this, Christ does not promise to remove us from the junk, but he does promise to sit with us as we journey through it. Jesus is with us. Jesus is there. He doesn't abandon us. One passage of scripture that's been especially meaningful to me along my journey is Psalm 51. In the Bible, there's a man named David He was an unassuming shepherd boy, and he defeated a giant in battle, and they ended up making him king. But he had some serious struggles in his life, and he had some major failures. He was a prominent author in the Psalms and wrote many poems and songs of the early faith. 
Psalm 51 is, is a critical one in David's journey as he writes basically a confession after he's confronted with his sin. It says this in the message translation, generous in love, God, give grace, huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record, scrub away my guilt, soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how, how bad I've been, my sins are staring me down. What you're after is truth from the inside out. So enter me then, conceive a new life in me. Soak me in your laundry and I'll come out clean. Scrub me and I'll have snow white life. Tune me into foot tapping songs. Set these once broken bones to dancing. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. But bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Unbutton my lips, dear God, I'll let loose with your promise. For going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. For I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's notice. For so long I tried to do this journey on my own. And honestly, I still struggle with trying to do it on my own. I struggle with trying to have everything appear fine on the outside when on the inside I, I can still be wasting away. In the pages of scripture, we, we also read about another man who had an unscripted journey and his name is, is Jesus. He was born to a virgin mother out of wedlock and was a simple tradesman as a carpenter. There was nothing special about him. He was just an ordinary man in the eyes of others. But, it was through the power of God, the Father, that Jesus was not just an ordinary man. Of, of, of course, he was fully human, but he was also the Son of God. He was fully divine. Jesus was given what he needed to fulfill his purpose on this earth. Even in the final moments as he cried out to God the Father to take this burden from him, God the Father sustained him and strengthened him. We can look to Jesus and he models for us what it looks like to walk hand in hand with God and to live out our calling on this earth. Oftentimes, we may feel weak and inadequate, but Jesus declares in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I am here this morning as a testimony to the grace of God and to proclaim that Jesus loves you. Jesus is with you and he is inviting you to take his hand and to trust him. I'm not perfect. I have my struggles, I have my doubts, I have my weaknesses. And the beauty is that Christ sees me and he sees you. He is with us every single step of the way. The key is whether or not I am seeking him and committing my ways to him or if I am committing my ways to myself and trying to do it on my own. In just a moment, we're going to sing together and carve out a little time to seek the Lord, but perhaps today you find yourself struggling. Maybe you are like me, and you're trying to find your worth in something, or you're trying to find your worth in someone. 
Maybe this morning you're trying to, t- trying to cover up your pain. You're trying to mask it in some way. Or you're trying to hide your fear. I'd encourage you today to find someone. Find someone. Find a group. Do not go it alone. Seek help. It's okay to not be perfect. God's at work. Even in the messiness, you can come out of the shadows. I would invite you as we prepare to sing, to connect with Jesus as you feel led today. God is faithful. Even when you and I have no faith, Jesus is calling. He is waiting. The question is, is if we will trust him.